Hi friends, Kurt here. It has been a while since I have done a weathering coronavirus episode. And it's also been a while since I've reviewed the numbers, which really is the reason for today's episode. In the beginning of this coronavirus challenge, we had very limited information and the numbers that we had to work with weren't really that great. We do have quite a few more numbers to look at now and more information. The testing has increased. All of this has provided us with the opportunity to get a more realistic look at this illness. Now, I want to say up front, this is not politically motivated. I'm not trying to prove a point or, or argue for one side or another of whatever debates are out there about coronavirus right now. Coronavirus, COVID-19, it remains a very socially volatile issue, obviously. People are still being heavily impacted by this illness and by the economic impacts, by the social impacts, by the work impacts, by the school impacts, we get all that. I'm not trying to argue one side or the other. All I want to do is provide a little perspective based on the new numbers that we now have. Hopefully this perspective will be meaningful and help everyone better understand and evaluate the risks that are associated with COVID-19. So without further ado, we have a lot of new numbers. Uh, let's start with how many cases there are in the world, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. I'm not sure how meaningful that really is, but we have 24,663,000 cases worldwide. So far, we have uh, 17 million people that have recovered, which is fantastic. The daily death rate from COVID-19 worldwide has dropped and moderated to averaging around 5,000 per day. And while that sounds large, I know that sounds large and every death matters, when you look at the world's population, which is 7.8 billion people now, that's almost 8 billion people in the world, then that 5,000 is a very, very, very small number. Are we winning the battle? As a human race against coronavirus, I think the answer is yes, we are winning the battle. We've made a lot of progress. We have flattened the curve. We have found ways to reduce the spread of the virus. The work toward vaccinations has been ongoing and has been very successful. There are new testing techniques now that make tests easier, less invasive, more affordable, and hopefully that means more frequent. On August 17th, the scientists reported that the U.S. Food and Drug Administration has given the emergency use authorization to a fifth saliva-based test for COVID-19. This test allows you to get results in a matter of hours instead of days, and it's very cost-effective and much less invasive. If tests like these can be produced and provided to the mass market, then it may be possible for you to even test a few times per week. The advantage of that, of course, is that if you can establish that you do not have COVID, then you are not going to give COVID to anyone else. And if you can find early detection of asymptomatic COVID-19, that means that you could isolate yourself and wait out the illness, and that way you would not be spreading the illness to others. Now, how dangerous is COVID-19? I think it's very well established now that it is very virulent, and what that means is it does spread easily between humans. We know this. That's established. 
The data do continue to reflect that age and underlying health conditions continue to be huge contributing factors to how serious the illness is. Matter of fact, this is from the CDC for the U.S. population. It shows that of all the deaths that involved COVID-19, now this doesn't mean that they died from COVID-19. It means that they had COVID-19 when they died. And we'll come back to that in a moment, but the main point is that less than 9% of the total deaths of people that had COVID-19 when they died were under the age of 55. And 79% of people who died with COVID-19, not necessarily from COVID-19, but with COVID-19, 79% were over the age of 65. And nearly half of those fatalities were in people that were over the age of 85. I'm not going to say that COVID-19 is not dangerous. Like any illness, when you are elderly or immunodepressed or have underlying health conditions, most any illness can be dangerous or fatal. But COVID-19 just is another illness added to the list. And we do not know how many of those people would have died of other illnesses even if COVID-19 did not exist. I'm not trying to minimize the danger of COVID-19. It's a serious illness, and I'll talk about more numbers later. But I do want to point out that when we start talking about deaths associated with COVID-19, they're not all from COVID-19. Let me share some other numbers just for perspective, and you can draw your own conclusions. I'm not trying to say that COVID-19 isn't dangerous, right? Let me repeat that. I'm not trying to say it's not dangerous. What I'm trying to do is somehow evaluate the danger of COVID-19 against other illnesses and situations that we have in today's world. Now, this is going to sound like a whole lot of numbers, and I'm going to try to keep the numbers as simple as possible. So I'll, I'll kind of round them off and try to speak of them in simplified terms. But these all come from the Worldometer website, and you can go there to dig a little bit deeper if you'd like to. Now, the world's population right now is 7.8 billion people. I keep bringing this up because it helps us to quantify some large numbers kind of in comparison to the world's population. When you have this many people on the planet, a lot of stuff happens. A lot of stuff happens every day. And it can be shocking when you look at those numbers, but you have to keep it in the perspective of the world's population to realize that the risk factors are much, much lower than they sound. So these are big numbers, but keep in mind how many people are on this planet, and let's go from there. Okay, people who died from hunger this year, 7.3 million. That's so far this year, 7 million people have died for a lack of food. How many people have died from coronavirus? Well, 800,000. Coronavirus deaths represent... Only about 11% of the deaths from hunger. Let me say it another way. Nearly nine times as many people have died from hunger this year than have died from coronavirus. And we've long known that hunger is a major problem in the world. There are a lot of populations that still don't have access to food. And you know what? There's plenty of food on the planet for everyone. We have problems with the distribution of food that's why that this hunger issue continues, and the biggest reason for the problems of the distribution of food have to do with politics and basic economics. These are problems that we can fix. We can fix this, but let's go back to coronavirus 
Uh, almost nine times as many people have starved to death this year than have died from coronavirus. Yikes. Now to contrast that, we had, again, 7 million people that died of starvation. In the world, we have 764 million people that are obese. So 100 times as many people are obese than starve to death. Obesity is a condition that can be very dangerous. And I just want to point out that we've had almost 25 million cases of COVID-19 in the world so far. We have 764 million cases of people that are obese in the world. So I don't know. Some problems might be bigger than COVID-19. Okay, deaths from water diseases this year. We're talking about dirty water. There have been 554,000 deaths from dirty water, 836,000 deaths from COVID-19. So this means that 66% as many people have died from dirty water as have died from COVID-19 so far this year. This is another problem that we can fix. Clean water is 100% achievable. To be frank, for less money than we're spending on COVID-19 solutions, I think that we could eliminate these deaths from dirty water. How about COVID-19 compared to smoking? So far this year, smoking has caused 3 million, almost 300,000 deaths. So 3.3 million deaths due to smoking. That's 393% more death than COVID-19 has caused. Did you hear me? Smoking has caused almost 400% more deaths so far this year than COVID-19. Let that soak in for a minute. It kind of illustrates the point that when something is common and has been around for a long time, we tend to accept it and look the other way. When something is new and different and unknown and creates more of a fear factor, then it gets a lot of focus and attention. And again, I'm not trying to say that COVID-19 doesn't matter. It's a serious illness. What I'm trying to point out is how bad smoking is and how we know that smoking is bad, but as a society worldwide, we just kind of tolerate it. 400% more people have died from smoking this year than from COVID-19. That's just, that's shocking to me. What about suicides? I know these are sad statistics, but I just want to provide a little perspective. Suicides, we've had over 700,000 suicides so far this year. That's 84% as many people have died from suicide as from COVID-19. Now, COVID-19 has killed more people than suicide, but only by a little bit. And we do know that anxiety and fear caused by the hype around COVID-19 has contributed to the suicide number. So it's really sad. If you know someone that's struggling right now, please reach out to them. This is another thing that we can address. These suicides are unnecessary. What about traffic accidents? This is a big one. We all drive a car. We accept that cars are part of our society. They're necessary. They're beneficial. But how do traffic accident deaths compare to COVID-19 deaths? Well, 888,000 so far this year have died from traffic deaths compared to 836,000 from COVID-19. So traffic accidents account for 106% of the COVID-19 deaths. Seriously. More people have died from driving a car or otherwise being in traffic on the roads this year than have died from COVID-19. It doesn't mean COVID-19 is not serious, 
But I just want to put that into perspective. As a society globally, we've accepted that traffic accidents happen, that the benefits outweigh the risks, and cars continue to have problems on the roads. COVID-19 is not quite as dangerous as driving a car. Deaths caused by alcohol this year. This one is also shocking. Not as bad as smoking, but alcohol abuse is also very serious. 1.6 million, or 197% of COVID, meaning that nearly double, 200%, more people have died from alcohol-related illnesses this year than from COVID-19. Yikes. That's another one that we should be able to fix pretty easily. What about flu deaths? Everyone keeps talking about flu compared to COVID-19. And I think this is because people wanted to use flu as an illustration that COVID-19 really isn't that dangerous. This is a tough one. The symptoms from COVID-19 and flu overlap so much that sometimes it's hard to discern one from the other. And matter of fact, when you go to the CDC website, they list death rates kind of as a mixture of the flu and COVID-19, because it's really hard to separate the two very, very well. But there is a number that helps us with this. We know what the deaths from flu averaged over the last many years. And the World Health Organization reports that the average is 650,000 deaths annually from the flu. Now, it's August, almost the end of August, so we're not at the end of 2020 yet. The deaths so far from COVID have been 836. The deaths on average from the flu are 650. There are some flu seasons that are really bad that align pretty closely to the number of deaths that we see from COVID. And a lot of the deaths that we see from COVID, those people also had the flu at the same time. Matter of fact, if you go to the CDC website, it's a big percentage of people had both illnesses at the same time. That's a nasty mix. I wouldn't want that to happen to anybody. But that said... Which was the worst illness that caused the death? Well, COVID-19 gets the credit, but the flu was there too. So which one's worse? COVID-19 right now is still showing a higher fatality rate than the flu. Someday when we are able to do a more thorough analysis and have better numbers, these numbers are going to change. But here's a statement that I think is 100% safe to say, which is true. And that is that COVID-19 is somewhat more serious than the flu. Somewhat more serious. It's not like triple as serious or anything like that. The numbers just don't stack up. But it's somewhat more serious than the flu. And there's one more statistic here that's worth mentioning. And that is that there have been so far almost 28 million abortions in the world. That's 3,300% more abortions than deaths from COVID-19. Or another way to say that is that 33 times more abortions than there have been deaths from COVID-19. So what might be some summary statements to give us some perspective about how dangerous COVID-19 is 
Keep in mind, COVID-19 is worth fighting. It's a serious illness. It's something that we need to take seriously, and hopefully we can eradicate this one from the planet. We don't need another disease on this earth. But that said, what are some comparisons? Well, driving a car is still more dangerous than COVID-19, statistically. Um, Smoking, much more dangerous than COVID-19. 400% more dangerous than COVID-19. Alcohol is almost 200% more dangerous than COVID-19. And uh, then we have some shocking things like nine times more people so far this year have died from hunger, which is unnecessary, right? And nearly as many people have died from dirty water as from COVID-19. Again, unnecessary. But that kind of puts the danger of COVID-19 into perspective with you know, a lot of other characteristics of the world society right now. But I want to point out one thing. We are actively battling COVID-19. And some of these things, which we also have campaigns against, but we're not actively battling as aggressively. For instance, smoking. Yeah, 400% more people died from smoking than from COVID-19. But we're actively battling against COVID-19. People choose to smoke right? People choose to smoke. So it might not be quite a fair comparison. If we put as much effort into stopping smoking as we did COVID-19, then I'm sure those numbers would align a lot more closely. So why did I go through all those numbers? Why did I take the time to run the percentages and compare all of these sad stories? Well, perspective. Perspective. We're going to win this battle against COVID-19. Everyone that recovers from COVID-19 does have some degree of immunity, and the vaccines are on the way, which will also create more immunity. By the way, there's some good news. I was researching the different mutations of COVID-19 and what they mean in terms of long-term immunity, meaning this. If you get COVID-19 and you get well, then you develop some degree of immunity. We know this. Will the virus mutate enough that that immunity that you had for the original virus doesn't apply to the new mutated virus, meaning that you could be susceptible to a new version of COVID-19? This is a big question right now, and everyone's trying to answer it, and there's still a lot of unknowns. But here's the good news. So far, there are about six strains of SARS-CoV-2 that have been evaluated, and they're all relatively similar. And when they've compared the mutation rate of COVID-19 to the seasonal flu, COVID-19 is actually, or I should say SARS-CoV-2, because that's the virus, SARS-CoV-2 is actually more stable than the flu, meaning it mutates much more slowly. What scientists are saying is that the six strains of SARS-CoV-2 are all similar enough that the immunity that you're getting still stands against those. That's great. And the mutation is slower than the flu. That's also great. And they expect then that the vaccinations that are being developed, which are still, some are saying over a year out, that those vaccinations will still be effective against these six strains of SARS-CoV-2. 
That's really good news. What that means is that since we have a relatively stable virus, we can fight it more easily. It means that the immunity that you develop by having it or by being vaccinated is going to last much longer and be more effective. That's all great news. I do know that there are a lot of people in the media that are saying that we really don't know that the immunity that people are getting may not last. Those are true statements, but it's kind of a matter of how true. What are the probabilities? Which way is this trending? And the good news is that the trend is that the mutation rates are slow, the virus is stable, the immunity is effective and long-lasting, and that the vaccines that are based on the current strains should still work when they're developed and released to the public maybe a year from now. That's all really great news. Those are the trends. Is that a 100% statement? Absolutely not, right? There's still a chance that a new mutation could come up that blows all this out of the water. But that's just a chance. Right now, the trends are that that's not happening, and that is excellent. Okay, back to perspective. Hopefully, what I talked about today can balance your thinking a little bit about COVID-19. For instance, now we know that there have been more traffic accident deaths this year than from COVID-19. That doesn't mean that COVID-19 is not dangerous. Driving cars is dangerous, but it gives us perspective. So there are all sorts of collateral impacts to COVID-19 that we are seeing. And I already mentioned, you know, it's impacted our work. It's impacted our social lives. It's impacted our school. It's impacted our e economics. But another impact of COVID-19, a collateral impact that may not be getting as much attention is that of fear and anxiety, which could lead to depression and other mental challenges. So fear and anxiety are stresses that long-term also cause illness. They also cause your immune system not to perform as well. So why do I bring all this up? We don't need to be running around in fear over COVID-19. Instead, we need to realize that we're in charge. We know how to be safe. We know what to do to protect ourselves and others, and we know what the actual risk factors are. It's about the same as driving a car, right? Maybe that helps you to not be as afraid. Maybe that gives you more peace about the situation. We still need to be vigilant and continue to fight this great fight, but we don't have to fear it. We don't have to live in anxiety, and we don't have to allow those stresses to further increase our risk of contracting and suffering from this illness. I hope that helps. That's kind of the way my mind works. I like to know the facts, and from the facts, I can derive an understanding I can live with. Hopefully, this helped you today to derive an understanding that you can live with. The media likes to hype things up because it sells. They like to increase the fear factor because it draws a lot of attention. What I'm trying to do is provide you with the facts so you can determine for yourself, the seriousness of the situation. I don't know when the next episode will be coming out. I wait until I feel like there's something worthwhile to add to the, the general conversation. But if something else comes up that is valuable, I will put it in weathering coronavirus. I started this podcast to provide hope, and I hope that today's episode did just that. And until the next episode, be safe out there, be at peace, 
And remember, it's going to be okay. <laughs>